Brain-based teaching is not just a fad in the education world. It is a scientifically based understanding of how people learn. Scientists and educators are now collaborating on studies of the human brain as it relates to learning with applications to disabilities and special needs students. There are specific practices emerging from brain research that teachers can use to enhance learning by all students. More to come on this in just a moment. Welcome to episode 76 of the Teacher Rockstar podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about brain-based learning, part one. All right, let's dive right in. The National Dissemination Center for Children with Disabilities is one place to look for resources. Their website lists hundreds of excellent articles and websites for further research. The National Association for the Education of Young Children is another that focuses specifically on elementary school children. I would like to share with you a bit of what I do with respect to brain-based research as I applied it to my own classroom. I used a variety of techniques that scientists have shown make a real difference to the brain and student learning. Among these were the use of music in the classroom, making deliberate changes to mental states, and specific ways to give directions to student learners to achieve positive results. Kids today are exposed almost constantly to music of various kinds on television, in malls, and office buildings on their own cell phones or computers. As movie makers know, music can set the mood for any scene. Well, playing music during classes can change the atmosphere of the class from noisy to quiet, from chaotic to organized. It is an important tool that is not used as much as it could be by teachers. Now, As far as the type of music that I played in the classroom, it came mostly from Eric Jensen's CD collections of music. Jensen has become internationally recognized for his brain-based publications for teachers. He links current brain research with strategies to improve student achievement. Music is one of the key tools he uses to stimulate positive feelings in the classroom. He suggests considering the emotional state you are trying to elicit, the age of the listener, and the types of music that are most familiar to them. Songs with words should be reserved for special occasions or games. Jensen suggests relying mainly on instrumental music of various kinds. To celebrate the start or completion of tasks, something upbeat can get students inspired. For lengthy writing tasks, calming music with a slow rhythm can aid concentration. According to various brain studies, beats per minute, or the BPM, can have profound effects on the human body and brain. Jensen writes, songs in the 35 to 50 BPM range will be more calming, while those in the middle 55 to 70 BPM will be more moderate for seat work. For activities, the pace might be 70 to 100, and for energizers, maybe 100 to 160 beats per minute, will really rev it up. Now, I bought um, a $600 Bose iPod music system that I use regularly in my classroom. Now, obviously, I would not recommend that to new teachers uh, to spend that kind of money initially. I mean, when all you'd have to do is go to Walmart uh, and pick up a CD player for around 25 bucks or so. Now, what better yet would be if your school offers audiovisual equipment to request that a CD player be made available to your class every day. Alternatively, you can attach good speakers to a computer or a smartphone, but just be sure the 
they can put out sufficient volume to be heard by a classroom of excited, noisy kids. The point here is that, you know, it's not the cost of the system, but rather that appropriate music can assist students with a given activity, and you will want to be able to access music as a teaching tool at any time. Now, before we talk about selecting music to match our activities, here's a word from our sponsor. Imagine having access to educational products, instructional videos, top-rated teacher podcasts, and articles worth over $1,000 for just pennies a day. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? And you know what the best part is? You get a free seven-day trial to go and check it out. So really, what do you have to lose? Go and check it out. Take a look around. Go to MyTeacherMembership.com. That's MyTeacherMembership.com. And I promise you, you're going to love being part of this teacher membership community. Okay, let's continue on. Select music to match the activities that you plan. Consider the feeling or emotions that the music evokes in you. Listen carefully to the various instruments and see if you associate them with certain feelings. Trumpets and other brass instruments most often are used for marching and martial music. Most people experience a very celebratory, happy feeling hearing this kind of music. Violins, violas, basses, and other strings often give a soothing, even romantic feeling to listeners. Jazz saxophone and clarinet are known for their melancholy sounds, while flutes and pipes are often used to play light, fun tunes that even make people laugh. Consider the length of the musical composition as well, okay? Usually the number of seconds of music will be listed in conjunction with the piece, whether you download it from the internet or find it on a CD. This can be useful as you work out the timing for different class tasks. Both you and the students will know from the music when the task needs to end. Once you have chosen several possible pieces of music to use in the class, consider the beats per minute concepts that can help you choose between options. Now, to figure out the beats per minute or the BPM in a piece of music, here's a simple way to do it. Start to play the music that you think might be appropriate to a given activity. Use a stopwatch or clock with a second hand. That makes it real easy for you to know when one minute is up. Listen for the drum downbeats or pulse in the music. Start the stopwatch and begin to count the beats. Stop at one minute and write down the number of beats. Now go ahead and do this a few times until you feel confident that you have estimated the approximate number of the beats per minute. The BPM is likely to have real effects on student learning and mood in the class. Like a conductor, you can orchestrate the mood of the class. Theoretically, listeners' physical heartbeats may change to sync up with the musical beat. Scientists have recorded brain changes with differing beats. Again, try to match the beats per minute appropriately to the task or activity you want students to do while the music plays. Okay, for instance, if you want students to engage in a brainstorming activity, then you want to play music that has no lyrics and a pulse rate above 80 beats per minute. On the other hand, if you are after focus learning, as in think, pair, and share activities, then you would want to achieve a pulse rate of about 60 to 90 beats per minute. For activities of an independent nature, such as independent reading and problem solving, you'd want to achieve a pulse rate of below 60 beats per minute. Simply put, you cannot just arbitrarily play any piece of music to just any activity and really expect to yield results. 
Note that both the tempo and the appropriateness must guide your selection. You know, I would also recommend that you gradually introduce music into the class to coincide with your instruction. Music itself and the technical issues to get it playing can become distractions. Start with a few minutes a day and gradually increase the use of music as you begin to feel comfortable uh, using it. Okay, for example, I, I started real slow. I, I began first uh, playing music as the students were entering and exiting the classroom at the end of the day. Okay, then I would go ahead and implement, uh, when they were doing independent reading, I would implement uh, uh, appropriate music there. And I would just keep adding on. So after, really, after about three or four weeks, uh, you know, I was really playing music basically all through the day at certain uh, times. Now, I want to go ahead and talk about an activity I used to do. Uh, it was my callback song. And during the first few days of school, I would introduce the class to our callback song, which actually would call them back to their seats. Now, what I did, I, I would teach, I'd model and rehearse the following procedure over and over and over again until it just became routine. Whenever they hear the callback song, the students must react with the following actions. And this is what I had them do. The first thing when they heard the first note of the callback song was to stop all talking. Return as quickly as possible to your seat without running. And thirdly, wait for the next set of instructions. Naturally, the callback song is a theme of your own choosing. And it could be any song you like. Mine was Brown Eyed Girl. Now, let me go ahead and talk a little bit about music for mathematics. I also used Mighty Math Songs by Ron Brown, available from Intel Tunes website and Amazon.com. I learned about them from a mathematics workshop I took from Kim Sutton, who is a phenomenal teacher of mathematics. She is right up there with Marilyn Burns, MathSolutions.com. Many connections can be made between musical and mathematical abilities. Musical elements like tempo, meter, rhythm, frequency, harmony, and tuning systems can be used to demonstrate math and language literature concepts in real applications that students can hear and experience. Math concepts like counting, sets, ratios, and various kinds of measurements can also be presented using musical ideas. A 1993 study set off a lot of interest in educational circles about the Mozart effect. Rauscher at all showed that there were real improvements in spatial intelligence when students listened to Mozart while doing activities. Don Campbell's 1997 book about the Mozart effect makes many controversial claims that listening to classical music improves brain function, but some research supports it. Playing classical music to babies pre-birth may indeed have real effects on brain development. Five months after we are conceived, music begins to capture our attention and wire our brains for a lifetime of aural experience. At the other end of life, musical memories can be imprinted on the brain so indelibly that they can be retrieved perfectly intact from the depths of a mind ravaged by Alzheimer's disease. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode, and I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. And again, I hope you enjoyed listening to these tips and strategies regarding brain-based learning, part one. Uh, next week, we will go ahead and delve into brain-based learning, part two. 
Now, when you get a moment, go ahead and visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Simply go to stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. That would be really super cool. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this. You got this.